Welcome to Grand County Matters. My name is John Sanderson. This show is for and about all of the people who live, work, and love Grand County. It doesn't matter what part of the county you call home, I hope to have something for everyone. This edition of Grand County Matters is brought to you by Sanderson Commercial Real Estate. The name Grand County Trusts when specialization matters. Online at sandersonre.com. Hello and welcome back to Grand County Matters. Today, we're going to speak with Glenn Trainer, the Chief of Police from the Fraser Winter Park Police Department. Glenn, how are you today? I'm great. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So it's great to see you again. We were just talking before the program that it's been a couple of years since you and I interacted. It's yes. nice to see you. Nice to see you as well, sir. Thank you. Thank you. So tell us the the, the story of Chief Glenn Trainer. How did you come to Winter Park to become the chief of police of the Fraser Winter Park PD? Well, uh, I'm actually a Colorado native. Uh, I grew up in Buena Vista, which is the the correct way to pronounce that. Uh, my family homesteaded there back in the 1880s, so uh, we have a lot of history there. And uh, uh, upon graduation, I joined the service, got out, and was a uh, police officer in the Denver metro area for about eight years. And uh, my wife, who was a classmate of mine, uh, in Buena Vista, and I decided that we really didn't want to raise our kids in the city, and so I applied for and was accepted uh, to be an investigator with the DA's office here in Grand County. Did that for two years and was then hired as the undersheriff and uh, spent the next 12 years as the Grand County undersheriff. Loved it, uh, served under Rod Johnson, who was the sheriff at the time, and, uh, and then in uh, 2004, the sheriff uh, decided to terminate contracts that he had for law enforcement services with the towns of Winter Park and Frazier and Granby. And so the uh, the towns of Winter Park and Frazier got together and offered me the position as chief of police and asked me to start a police department. And here we are almost 16 years later. From scratch. Yes. No kidding. What's that look like? Hey, Today, we're not going to have a police department, so we got to buy some cars and hire some people. How does that all work out? Well, it was it took us about five months to, to get going with that. Uh, you know, if you've been in Grand County a while, you probably remember that our original offices for the sheriff's office and us were in the, uh, the bottom of the King's Crossing Shopping Center below where Fontenot's is now. And we had all of about 600 square feet there. And, uh, and of course, now we've moved up and, and we're quite a bit larger than that. But uh, it took me about four months to get everything together. The, the sheriff was actually very gracious to give me the cars that had been purchased by the towns. Uh, so we had a, a fleet that we could put on the ground. And then it was a process of hiring. Uh, I think our original staffing was six, counting me, uh, which was about half of what we needed, I think. And and uh, so we started uh, serving the citizens on May 1st of 2005. And uh, here we are, like I said, almost 16 years later. And uh, I'm just uh, incredibly thankful that uh, I was chosen to fill that role. 
Now, what a great ride. Oh, absolutely. Yes. It's, uh, you know, I, I loved working for the sheriff's office, but on the other hand, um, this was a tremendous opportunity and, uh, you know, really it was the chance to start something from the ground level and, and build upon it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that sounds great. So the, the, the geography that you cover, is it truly the, the town limits of Winter Park and Fraser combined? Yes, that's correct. Um, we have an intergovernmental agreement. We're all town of Winter Park employees. We have an intergovernmental agreement with the town of Fraser. And uh, under the IGA, I report to both town managers, although I am a Winter Park employee. And so how, just curious for my own edification, how far up Highway 40 towards Berthoud Pass does that jurisdiction travel? I mean, I see state patrol cars on the pass and, and from time to time when I was on search and rescue, we, you know, we right. have some interaction on the pass as well. Well, our uh, our boundaries basically go from mile marker 226 on Highway 40 all the way up to just past mile marker 235, which is the Mary Jane exit right in there. Mm-hmm. And uh, But as you know, the Town of Winter Park several years ago annexed uh, the entirety of the Forest Service permit boundary for the for the Winter Park Resort. So, you know, the amount of land mass that we have outside of the highway is actually quite large, but we don't spend a lot of time in most of those areas. Yeah. You don't have anybody on ski patrol full time? No, we do not. <laughs> and those guys do a great job. Yeah. Unbelievable job. That is for sure. Well, I was at the resort on uh, Sunday and of course it was a bluebird day, 10 degrees, but it was unbelievable. And my wife and I said, oh, there's somebody that didn't have a good day. So those yeah. ski patrol guys, I'm looking forward to interviewing the ski patrol. I think that'd be a fascinating radio program. Oh, and they're just, they're top-notch <clears throat> patrollers. And and uh, we just love when we get to work with them just because they're all extremely dedicated to what they do. I totally agree. So so tell me a little bit about the department. Um, number of officers, civilian employees, How's the how's the machine work? Well, um, currently we have uh, basically 11 allotted slots uh, for law enforcement. That includes me. So I have uh, the chief, uh, a commander, two sergeants, and then the the rest of the officers are just uh, sworn officers. Of course, they serve as field training officers. They, you know, being a small community, everybody specializes in something. And, uh, And then I have two civilian staff who serve as, uh, you know, records management and uh, as our municipal court uh, management as well. And so you, your office is at um, Winter Park Station. That's correct. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You'll be right next to the new gondola landing pad. Yeah, that's that's what I keep hearing. But I've been <laughs> hearing about that for a long time in Grand County. So, yeah, I agree. No telling when that might actually happen. Yes. Um, but you don't have any, um, I don't know, I want to say apprehension facilities. You you have to take people that get in the doghouse all the way to hot sulfur. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. But I think from the very beginning, you know, it's a it's about a 35 to a 40 minute drive from Winter Park to Hot Sulphur Springs in the best of conditions. And right. so, you know, from the very beginning, we decided that we were um, going to kind of catch and release 
everybody we could and and only jail those who really needed to be in jail for public safety. And and that's actually worked very well for us. I, I think that's helped us in our relationship with the community. You know, as an example, somebody who, you know, makes poor decisions and drives while they're under the influence, if they have a sober person who can come pick them up and they don't have any prior DUIs or anything like that, they generally are released with a summons to appear in court later on. And of course, you know, in cases like domestic violence or or crimes of violence like assault or something like that, um, we really uh, have to take those people out of the community. But as you know, with COVID, all those rules have changed. And and so we're even being uh, probably less restrictive as far as jailing people than we were a year ago at this time. That's uh, actually an interesting topic. The the whole notion of COVID and how that how that changes the interaction that you and your team have with the general populace. Um, can you talk a little bit about what what that what COVID has done to both the community outreach and the the business end of the of the job? Well, I, I think as far as the community outreach, um, I think it's important to say that that we are all Grand County citizens. You know, I, it becomes a little trite at times to say we're all in this together, but but it's the truth. And I, I think that, um, you know, we stand shoulder to shoulder with our community members in that we're all going through this at the same time. And and it may have changed the way we acted, but I I think we we have to be supportive of one another. And um, and so, you know, rather than taking a hard line enforcement approach um, as I think some people would like us to. We're really going after, you know, uh, accomplishing these public health orders by way of education and training the public and, uh, you know, kind of using the soft approach as opposed to just writing people tickets. Yeah, I'm with you, Glenn. I just I don't see the value in dropping the hammer on people. I mean, there's enough there's enough challenges that getting a ticket for you know, having your mask below your nose. Right, <laughs> right. I was, I was at an unmentionable grocery store in Grand County the other day, and there were more noses showing than uh, I think this, uh, the CDC would like to see. <laughs> I, I, I think you're exactly right. And, and you know, I, I think, you know, just looking at our local businesses and that, I think everybody is really working hard because, as you know, having lived in Grand County, our businesses are our lifeline. And, and if they can't stay open, then then none of us succeed. And so I, I really do see a concerted team effort for the community coming together, trying to do the right thing to stay open. While at the same time, you know, allowing some of those personal freedoms that uh, Grand County residents are are uh, so proud of. Yeah, all you got to do is read the comments on some of the social media posts to understand just how proud they are. Yep, that's exactly right. I get it. I mean, I you know, nobody wants to have their freedoms uh, implied or um, otherwise restricted. But, you know, it's a it's a time when people get sick. You know, I've been through yes. it. I had the sniffles and I had what I refer to as Corona light. But, you know, there are plenty of people that get awfully sick. And those are the people that we all have to respect and, and try to protect, I think. And, you know, everybody's got to do their part. So 
we could talk for hours about that conversation. Yes, we could. (laughs) (laughs) So tell us about your management style. You seem to be a pretty easygoing guy. You know, I am. And and I I think for me, it starts with, you know, my attitude that I really don't consider myself as the boss. I mean, ultimately, I'm the one responsible if things go wrong or right. But but on the other hand, um, you know, I I see my role as just trying to fill the needs of the wonderful officers and, and employees who work for me. And and I really feel like that if we treat our employees well, they're going to respond well. And and that's kind of always been my philosophy is that, uh, you know, you, you strive to hire the very best and, and then provide them the tools that they need. And then, you know, lead by example, lead from the front in that, you know, you don't ask your employees to do anything you wouldn't be willing to do. And, um, you know, and my job really is to serve them in every way I possibly can to empower them to, to get their job done. Isn't it funny that in the world of business, the the term or the title that one gets is manager, but what we really want are leaders, not managers. That's exactly right. Yeah, I uh, I'm fond of saying you have to manage your manager, but what you really want is somebody that will lead you and support you. And if you have that respect among your team, then you know that's true leadership from the top. Well, it exactly is. And and I think, you know, I've been very blessed with the people who work for the Fraser Winter Park Police Department. I mean, they're just some of the finest human beings I've ever met in my life. And and uh, you know, and I, I think a lot of that is is that, you know, these guys are and and gals are such wonderful people that a lot of times they hold each other accountable in such a way that that stuff that is major crisis in larger departments, it never even begins to happen here because I, I think everybody is using, you know, peer support and peer pressure to, to hold that high standard. Yeah. Great information. So um, just, I'm curious to know what, what are the struggles that you see as a small town slash resort chief of police? Well, it's uh you know, it's a little bit of a of an anomaly in that, you know, as an example, Winter Park's permanent population is around a thousand, and I believe Fraser's is around twelve hundred. And if you were to go to Midwest Kansas and find a town of, you know, twenty two or twenty three hundred people, you know, you'd probably find only four or five officers working there. You know, and there wouldn't be much going on outside of a you know major case now and then, but. I think what people don't see about resort policing is that, you know, we may have that many permanent residents, but, you know, on a given day in July or the month of January, we may have eight or 10 times that number of people here. And, and in the summertime, we not only have that number of people here recreating and, and, and having a, the time of their lives, but, but then we also have thousands of other people who are traveling through here going somewhere else to, to have fun. So exactly it offers right. some very unique challenges. Well, yeah, you know, I, I hear numbers like 15,000 people at the resort, you know, on a Saturday and think, how, how, how does the town absorb that many people and then release them, you know, just as quickly? Some of them are staying and some of them are just passing through, of course. But it, right. it is a fascinating, fascinating conundrum, I think, to, to figure out how to manage all of that swell. 
It is. And, and, you know, and all you really need is one light out in town somewhere and it's just chaos, you know, <laughs> as you've seen. And, uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that reminds me of a funny story, but we won't go there today. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, you know, and, and not to bring back COVID, but, but would you say it's, it's fair to assess that the permanent population since March has risen or the semi-permanent maybe is a better word in the community just because people left the city and moved to their mountain homes for the summer while they couldn't do anything else? Oh, I, I absolutely believe that's true. Uh, you know, when the resorts shut down, all these people who really made a good living from their short-term rental properties, a lot of them just decided to come up here and stay and, and people working from home, you know, they found that they could work from their second home in the mountains or from their camper in the mountains, just as easy as, as they could, you know, from the front range or wherever they, they permanently live. So, you know, our visitor numbers this summer were, were just over the top as far as the number of people that were coming to Grand County and, and staying here for a lengthy period of time, you know, and on top of that, add the people that just wanted to get out of the cities or wherever they were from somewhere else and get away from the heat and come here. Yeah, you're exactly right. Uh, I was reading in the Sky High News just the other day, I guess it's not the other day, but some days ago that the tax, their sales tax has is up 30% year on year. I mean, that's a lot of new dollars to the community and a lot of people spending money that wouldn't normally be spending money locally. It, it's gotta be second homeowners and vacationers and whatnot. Well, I think so, you know, and, and uh, as an example, I, from everything I've read, Fraser, Granby, Kremlin, and Grand Lake all had just record numbers of, of visitors this summer. Winter Park, because a lot of our sales tax is based on restaurant business and and those kind of small businesses. We've been down a little bit this year, but not unlike places like uh, Steamboat, Vale, you know, Breckenridge, those places. I think all the resort communities that have a lot of of just service related jobs. Uh, suffered through this, but you know, if you have a a large grocery store or a place like Murdoch's, you're they d- did very well this summer. I'm always, always busy. It's amazing. Yes. So uh, we talk about people being unemployed, you know, vis-a-vis the the resort being closed or or the restaurants being scaled back. What do you see in the in the mental health department with local people, not so much visitors, but the locals that are struggling? You know, I I think this year has been very challenging for law enforcement in that, you know, because so many people lost their jobs literally overnight, um, you know, they were left without a tremendous amount of resources. And and I I think that, you know, we saw a increase uh, in the number of mental health related calls this year. Um, You know, we uh, definitely have encountered more angry people. And I, I think that's something common in law enforcement all across the United States this summer. Mm-hmm. Some of it caused by the, the major, uh, you know, incidents that happened in places far outside of Grand County. But I've seen that, you know, just our normal person that we deal with, uh, seems to be in a much worse place than they were, say, a year ago at this time. I, I think people, 
have been very angry and resentful and in their temperatures are, or their tempers are probably a lot closer to their skin than, than they probably had previously been. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's a very good assessment. I think that's spot on. You know, I, I certainly am not in the same line of work as you, but just seeing people at the grocery store and trying to park a car at the mall or wherever, it seems like everybody's fuse is just a little bit shorter than it would be normally. Yeah, I believe that's correct. Yep. I uh, I was at Costco buying coffee some weeks ago, and I observed a little bit of an altercation between two people. And, you know, it was nothing. They bumped into their carts, bumped into each other. And I thought to myself, between a charged political climate, being locked in your house for eight months, you know, whatever conflict there is across the U.S. among parties, you know, that has to be weighing heavily on the population. And and I can I can see your perspective in law enforcement. You bump into people that might not be quite as willing to have a reasonable conversation. You know, that's exactly true. But it, but I have to say this in that, you know, the uh, uh, not only did we have a pandemic in Grand County this year, but we also had uh, a couple major fires, including the East Troublesome Fire. And in uh, despite all the divisiveness that that we saw through this political climate and everything else, I have to say that the Grand County citizens rose to the occasion in in a manner that no one would have believed and uh, through through these fires. And, and I think in a way that was really good for community. I mean, obviously it's horrific that 300 folks lost their homes, you know, and, and I mean, that's just horrible, but, but to see people who normally would not see eye to eye on things coming together for the betterment of others, uh, I think was just wonderful. And, and really that's why we all live here. You know, it's funny you should bring that up. Not funny. It's interesting that you should bring it up. I had a, at a conversation like this with with uh, Megan Ledeen from the Grand Foundation, and and she and I both got a little misty talking about the kindness of the people in Grand County and Absolutely. opening their homes and and the number the the sheer amount of clothing and contributions that the Mountain Family Center and the you know all of the associated organizations distributed, just amazing. And you know I was there. Was in town around Winter Park in Granby when the troublesome fire really started to take off that mm-hmm. Saturday before the Tuesday or Wednesday, whatever day it yes. was. And I took a picture from that apartment complex on Red Dirt Hill. I went all the way out in the back and I got up on top of this big, huge pile of dirt and I took this big panoramic photo. And never for one second did I think that fire is going to blast all of that land to Grand Lake and beyond and far, far beyond. So all those people, and I know people, I personally know people on, you know, uh, Highway 125 that lost their homes and and associated with some folks, you know, Shelly Olson from the Grand Lake Fire Department. You know, I mean, it's absolutely, it's truly just makes you speechless and your heart hurts for the people that lost everything. But the community rose to that occasion in such a manner that I, I just so proud of those people and all the people in Grand County, everybody that opened their doors. Oh, absolutely. And, and it's just, it really does show that, that in a time of crisis, uh, you know, people really do have good hearts. They want to do the right thing and, and they want to help their fellow man. And, and, you know, and just for, 
a short period of time there, you know, nobody really cared about, you know, the social justice and, and all the political things that were going on on a national and a world level. I mean, everybody was just there. And, you know, having worked in the command center for law enforcement for about 10 days, I, I can't even describe to you the amount of food and supplies that showed up just by people that wanted to do something to, to help. And, and I was just, it was so humbling to, to have all the, these people that, that normally, you know, would pass by you and maybe wave, but not speak to you. And, you know, bringing, you know, 50 pizzas at a time to the command center so that, that law enforcement officers and firemen could have something to eat. I mean, it was just, what an honoring thing to be part of. Yeah. Fantastic. I'm curious, and then we can stop talking about bad stuff and fires and whatnot. Uh, what, what was the, what was the, uh, I don't know, the level of alertness. That's not the right word. You know, the pre evac mentality for you and the town of winter park and Frazier. I know that it's kind of far away, but not that far away. What, what were you thinking at the time? Well, I, I think we were much more concerned uh, about the Williams Fork fire because there has been some predictions that under the right weather conditions, that fire could do what happened in Grand Lake over on this end. And yet, uh, you know, nothing short of God's grace, I think the weather conditions never developed and the fire never really even got to Bottle Pass, you know, which is what was going to be a trigger point to start evacuations. But, um, you know, I, I'm very proud to say that our elected officials and managers here in Winter Park and Fraser, their biggest concern was what could they do to help out the, the other segments of Grand County that were in the most need. And, and so I just think that's, once again, the things that make Grand County great that, that, you know, it's nobody's on an island and, and although everybody may, uh, serve in different political subdivisions and they may not always agree on everything, you know, when the chips are down, everybody comes together to get the job done. Yeah, absolutely. I have a, uh, I have a kind of an amazing photo of the Williams Fork fire right after it took off. I was in town, um, at a wedding at the Strawberry Creek Ranch in Granby, uh, there on the Little H.O. Road mm -hmm. and you know, looking, looking south to the Williams Fork fire, it looked like a volcano. Because it wasn't windy, but that the heat and the smoke and the debris was rising in such a manner that if you didn't know any better, you'd say that it was a volcano. It's a fascinating photo. And, you know, the wedding went on and the pictures that those folks have from their wedding day will be, you know, never, ever forgotten. There's a lot of people that will look back and say, remember what happened after that? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> sure enough. Well, so. Let's talk about a day in the life of the chief. What happens eight to five or, you know, midnight to midnight? Well, you know, my job once again is, is kind of taking care of my guys. And, and yet, uh, you know, I, I have a boss too. And so I may be working on different projects, different reports, those sort of things. Um, you know, but because we are small, generally when I'm on duty, uh, I serve as the first cover officer for the other officers that are, are working that at that time. So, you know, I may have to stop some big report I'm writing for somebody and, and go to a domestic violence call or an alarm or something like that. So, you know, unlike in a uh, large city where, where the chief 
unless it's a, a major tragedy, doesn't really have to go to calls. Um, you know, I, I find myself doing that, you know, almost, uh, well, probably several times a week. And, uh, you know, of course, I have wonderful staff and and it's difficult to make them understand that I'm not here to boss you around. I'm I'm just here as your cover officer to provide you whatever you need. But, you know, then again, you know, there's times because of vacations, I, I have to actually cover the road and answer calls and I can do that. Although, you know, I, I've been in, doing this job a long enough now that, you know, I've probably forgotten uh, some of the things that they teach in the police academy, but, but we get it done. And, and uh, once again, I have a wonderful staff. Um, I go to uh, several board meetings a month, you know, that both Winter Park and Fraser meet twice a month. So I, I attend those board meetings. And then, you know, really my job is to, is to pass on and put into play what, uh, you know, kind of the strategic goals of the elected officials are, pass that down to make sure our officers are, are kind of doing what they can in their own lanes to, to meet those goals. Sure. Well, you know, leadership never sleeps, right? No, it does not. We we talked about that earlier. So, so let's talk about the personal side. What what do you do? What's your stress relief? What's your hobby when you're not the chief of police? Well, I uh, I really am into the outdoors. I quit skiing a long time ago. I grew up skiing at a place called Ski Cooper uh, down mm-hmm. by Leadville, and uh, yeah. Uh, you know, when I was a kid, you could get a season pass there for like 10 bucks and, and then the school bus would take you up there for $2. And, and so it was a great way for parents to get their kids out of the house for the day, you know, and, uh, and so I grew up skiing there, but I, I stopped doing that, uh, you know, probably 15 years ago. And, and now I'm more into outdoor stuff. I, I jog and hike a lot and, and, um, but I also love to uh, fly fish and hunt. So, uh, in honestly, fishing and hunting is why I moved to Grand County and, and, uh, and I just love it. Yeah. What's your, uh, what's your favorite hiking area? Um, you know, it's hard to say. I, I love going up in the strawberry drainage, you know, up through Doe Creek and up into the strawberry. I love that. Um, I also really like hiking over in the, uh, the Beaver Creek area. I'm I'm not a big mountain climber, and in fact, I don't know. I may be the only Colorado native that's never summited a fourteen thousand foot <laughs> peak. But but on the other hand, you know, I just like to get out and and enjoy the outdoors and and see the things that are out there. Yeah. How about fishing? Now, don't don't disclose your secret spot. What's your second favorite spot? Um, I would say probably the the Colorado River from Hot Sulphur Springs to Radium is probably one of my favorite spots. And that's as far as I'm going to go as far as details. <laughs> it's pretty, pretty spectacular stretch of water right there. That's it is. Better. Yeah. And what's your, uh, what's your hunting of choice? You know, I, I was used to bow hunt a lot and did a lot of that. The last few years I've done more rifle hunting and, uh, but, you know, after having done it now, you know, for, probably 26 years or 36 years. I, I think I'm more just into being outside with my family and, and just enjoying the time outdoors. And, and I, I'm probably not near as serious about it. I'm obviously 
incredibly grateful when I am able to harvest an animal. But but on the other hand, I really uh, it's not necessarily the reason I get outside anymore. Yeah, I tease my neighbor who has four kids under, I don't know, 12 or something like that, that when he says he's going bow hunting, I really know that that just means he needs some time away. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and it is a great time away. Let's uh, let's move to um, a topic that I'm actually really interested in. Um, as the as the chief of police, the the figurehead, tell me about the things that you do in the community that that you're really the most proud of. The things that you feel like you make the most impact. You you and your team. Well, I I think that you know once again going back to this resort based policing, I I think the the thing I drive home the most and really try and push out is the fact that as law enforcement officers working in the community, you know, we may be the only face of, of municipal government that people ever meet. And, and so I really push forward the fact that, that we not only have to be guardians and, and at times we may have to, you know, make horrible choices to, to protect somebody's life, but, more than that, I think we're ambassadors, you know, to the community, you know, because if somebody comes here as an example from Texas and they bring their family for vacation and, you know, and, and God forbid they get into an accident, their, their rental car is destroyed or something like that, you know, our interactions with those people are going to impact the way they feel about the entire Fraser Valley, you know, for years to come. And, and so, you know, that that's one thing that I think is really important to to all our officers and me is that we really try to make a difference in every life we touch. And uh, and I, I think that's been one of our success factors is that, you know, while we are all human beings, we all make mistakes and some of us get up on the wrong side of the bed at, at different points. Ultimately, that's what we're trying to do is just change people's lives for the better. And and I I've always felt that that if I could make a difference in somebody's life uh, every day, then then that day is a success, you know. And 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 that's really the attitude I think of, of my entire staff is just to make things better for people. Yeah, that, that the philosophy that you have, it, it, you know, it comes through in this just in this conversation for the last thirty minutes or so. I mean, you, it's very clear to me that you really want to do the right thing and you really want to put the best foot forward. How, how do you instill that same desire into your staff when they're under pressure at night, you know, blowing winds blowing sideways and it's snowing crazy and somebody's being not so easy to deal with. I mean, how do you instill that, that leadership quality into those people? Well, I think it starts with the people you hire, you know, and we're very selective, uh, you know, for the last several years, we don't hire anybody that doesn't get buy off from really the entire team, you know, and, and that's where it starts. And, and then the kind of leadership they get when they're being trained and, uh, um, and then just the fact that, you know, they're expected to support one another and, and set the example, you know, and, and we, we tell our folks that every single one of you is a leader. Because when you're called to some crisis situation, you know, a domestic violence incident in the middle of the night or a disturbance at a bar or something like that, you're there because somebody is looking for your leadership. And so you have to provide that 
And if you lose your temper and and start saying things that are are not true or or rude or whatever, um, you know, you've lost your ability to take control of that situation. And and so I, I believe that's where it starts. But, you know, on the other hand, I, I think that, you know, one of the issues we've seen with some of these social justice reforms in this country is is that you have a lot of police officers there that their administration has a hard time getting them to treat their community in a in a righteous manner because they don't treat their employees well you know from from the mayor on down their their employees are not treated very well and and i think that's one thing that both the town of winter park and the town of fraser have has excelled at is the way they treat their employees and and i have to say that i have never had a job where i've been treated as well by everybody from the mayor, the lowest hourly worker, um, you know, where everybody is just treated very, very well and treated with respect and dignity. And, and I think by and large, that's what most people want. Yeah, you're hundred percent accurate. A, a smile and a please and thank you go a really, really long way. Oh, they absolutely do. Let me ask you about, <clears throat> there was a, tr- a true tragedy recently, a murder suicide in Fraser. Yes. Uh, we don't need to talk about the event itself, but I'm curious to know how, how do you engage with these other agencies? I think the Colorado Bureau of Investigation was involved. I'm curious, just as a citizen, you know, you get the call, then what? Yeah, you know, it it's probably incident dependent, but, you know, one of the things I think is important for any leader to understand is that when he's in over his head and needs help, and, uh, you know, and as an example, we we don't use CBI very often in this county, but we don't have a lot of major crime that needs it. And and while we have wonderful people uh, and and very hardworking people here, you know, CBI has access to resources that we could never afford here. You know, some of the forensic resources they have, you know, 3D mapping software, those kind of things that, you know, just you know, the, the 3D mapping program, uh, you know, that equipment all by itself is around $45,000, you know, and, and it's just not anything that's ever going to exist here. So, you know, no different than when patrol officers get in a situation that is uh, too dangerous for their resources, they call, you know, a SWAT team. And it's the same thing with with major investigations. And, and I, I think one thing law enforcement is very good at is actually recognizing when they need help and being willing to call in other resources from other agencies. And, you know, and we do that with each other on a regular basis here in this county. I mean, it's, we wear different uniforms, but the truth is, is we're all on the same team. But being willing to call in somebody from, you know, the state or, or even the, the federal law enforcement resources to help us out is, is something that, that we do on a fairly regular basis. And, and for the most part, it's just a matter of making a phone call in the middle of the night to somebody and you hate waking somebody up, but, but they always come. <laughs> yeah, they always do. Well, specialization matters. You know, you got to know when you're over your head. So if, you, if there's a specialist that, that does that job better, that's the person you should be calling. You know? Yes, sir. Why you don't call a plumber to do a framing job, you know, same, right. same concept. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's great. Glenn, this has been fantastic. I, I so appreciate your time and your candidness and you're such an easy guy to talk to. Oh, thank you so much. 
Absolutely. Uh, anything that uh, you'd like to close with? Any uh, any personal desires for Grand County and the in the Winter Park Fraser area that you'd like to see? Any pet projects on the horizon that you want to talk about? You know, not really. I I uh, you know, of course, am very proud to work over here, and and uh, you know, I just I can't even begin to express my gratitude to the community for their support of our department and law enforcement in general, you know, over, over the last 16 years. I mean, it's just, um, I think there are large cities where, where chiefs and police agencies would only dream of having the kind of relationship with the community that we have here. And, and I, I think that's a testament to not only the quality of our law enforcement officers, but also to the quality of citizens that we have living in Grand County. I mean, it, this really is a uh, an island out here, and and uh, just we so appreciate the relationship we have with our community and, and everything they do to support us. Well, that's great. Thank you, Glenn. I appreciate your time. Well, thank you very much. Uh, call me anytime. I'd be happy to do this again. Yeah, we could uh, we could talk about a lot of different things, I'll bet. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, today we're talking to Glenn Trainer, the chief of police with the Fraser Winter Park PD, and this is Grand County Matters.